You're listening to Resolution Radio. Radio. ResolutionRDO.com. And now, the Nordic Frontier! no reasonable level of anti-Semitism. Nordic resistance movement are present. comrades and welcome back to the nordic frontier it is the final solution to your podcast problem and you have arrived it is sunday once again we come to you live every sunday at almost 8 30 swedish uh, time and uh, yeah you have arrived i'm happy that you're here it is a national socialist broadcast hosted by members of the nordic resistance movement and my name is Andreas, and with me I have my co-host, Guffy. How are you doing, Guffy? Doing great, man. Doing great. We had a uh, snowfall, finally, so things are looking beautiful in the north. Nice. Minus the tremors, the volcanoes, and the earthquakes, but it's fine. Yeah, minus Satan coming out of the ground. That uh, yeah. That's problematic. But Yeah, uh, it, it can be. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. We might show that video later of swallowing that place. Grindavik. How's Grindavik doing? Is it still there? Uh, yeah, it's still there. It's actually quite odd because, you know, things were looking quite drastic two weeks ago. And yeah. it seemed to have quieted down. But right. it's usually calm before the storm and it will probably erupt. But the thing is that the magma under underneath the area keeps like moving from, you know... It keeps growing and it keeps moving from, you know, where it's most likely to erupt. And geologists are just baffled by what's going on. Yeah. So, but Maybe. people in Grindavik are not going to go home before Christmas, that's for sure. Because, you know, people are well kept out of the town for most part, except, you know, rescue workers and people that need to go and save valuables. So. Yeah. Maybe you can pour some snow into it. Have you tried that? 
personalized. Well, we did actually save a town in the 70s uh, when we it was looking like a, a harbor, harbor and well, a small, small part of a town was about to be, well, swallowed by a volcano and yeah. they brought hoses and they poured seawater on the flow, like flowing magma. Whoa. And it worked nice. and they saved the harbor and they saved the town. Cool. Nice. Yeah. That is nice to hear for sure. We have a little bit of snow here in the north. Uh, it is uh, currently around minus uh, 12, I think. Got the fire sparkling. Pretty pretty cozy. I've been uh, doing some snow blowing. That's uh, always nice. It is. Yeah. So that's good. You know, but I, I can't really really be mad at the volcanoes because they also heat my house. So yeah, you know. you, you can't yeah. have uh, you know you can't have the cake and eat it too. You know you have to no. <laughs> be happy with what you got for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we have episode two seven seven tonight, and uh, we have invited a very special guest back on the show. We have uh, Lady Michelle Renouf. Welcome back to the show. Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much. And may I just thank, uh, on uh, on both of our behalfs, uh, our friend um, Charlotte for sending you this uh, placard that I took at uh, one of the uh, rallies uh, for the ceasefire. And so now we're back in contact. And that's very nice, Andreas, because I think uh, two years, I think you were saying, has elapsed since we yeah. actually saw out, saw each other in uh, in England, yeah, for sure, yeah, that's uh, that was really nice. You know, it, it was an honor to have met you, and uh, it was a really nice time at the Patriotic Alternative Conference. Very nice stuff. Some good speeches and some good food with good people. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I was going to do some office work here before we get into the interview. Uh, last week, uh, we didn't really make it onto the live stream. And uh, there was a lot of patient people that waited. So we did like half a, a show. We did like an hour and a half of uh, random crap that I came up with. Uh, just for the people that are so dedicated. They can sit there for an hour and a half and wait for us to go live. I think that's fantastic. Really nice people. So we wanted to give them something, and I want to thank them once again for tuning in. That episode is now memory hold, but I have had uh, I did some excerpts that I posted on Telegram. If people want to check those out on the stuff that we discussed, and uh, yeah, uh, so we had some donations that I mentioned on that show because, uh, but because few people listened, I'm going to mention them here as well. As uh, so we had Max Hughes uh, donating to the show, and we say, May the blessing of tear be upon you. And we also had JC sending in cash, Swedish uh, master race currency. Thank you very much, and he gets one of these. <laughs> Yes, and if you want to donate to the show, you can do so on Odyssey. Uh, while we're live, you can ask questions and comments to stuff that we're talking about. If you want uh, us to answer some questions, you can ask questions to uh, to Michelle while she's on here as well. 
and uh, we'll try to get to those. Or we will get to those for sure. But I also had an offer that I mentioned last week is that if anyone donates seventeen seventy six, so seventeen dollars and seventy six cents, I will live stream Alex Jones' new video game for sure. I'll play it uh, all the way through for you people. Uh, I also wanted to mention that I was on Red Eyes. I mentioned that last week as well. So if people want to check out the interview I did there uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was on the same topic as uh, we were going to talk about tonight. It's about Israel and a lot about uh, free speech and being uh, shut down on the internet as well. And... uh, I also wanted to say happy birthday to Parken. So Parken is a long-time donor to the show. He has literally donated like a 100,000 kroner to the show over the years. So he is a, a dedicated uh, listener. He really enjoys the show and I really appreciate uh, his support. So thank you very much. You definitely get one of these. <laughs> All right, having said that, we're going to get into the show. We're going to run a jingle, and we'll be right back. Hello, this is Mark Collett from Patriotic Alternative, and you are listening to the Nordic Frontier. The solution your podcast problem. The solution to your podcast problem. Thanks for listening to Project Schoolyard Volume 2. For more information about the project, as well as lyric to the songs on this CD, please visit www.tightrope.cc. You can also find jokes, news articles, a photo gallery, free CD downloads, and a secure online shopping cart. We carry a full line of flags, t-shirts, CDs, books, stickers, and other products of interest to racially conscious white people. Please visit www.tightrope.cc. You're listening to Resolution Radio Radio. ResolutionRDO.com Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest price filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, Get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. All right, we're back. I hope you enjoyed that. And we're going to get into the conversation. And uh, I was going to start the conversation simply by asking, how have you been since last time? Uh, well, very well indeed, and uh, I love to see that Patriotic Alternative is growing and flourishing, and uh, I'm very proud to, to that, that we met there, actually. Mm. Yeah, for sure. So how's, um, how's the situation in England, what do you think? Uh, is well, it, the situation uh, crazy? Is, is, really, the situation in England is frankly not worth discussing. <laughs> 
you know, we are surrounded by leaders who are simple traitors to 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 the to the public. You can see um, uh, thousands and thousands of people marching for the ceasefire in Gaza. Mm-hmm. I um, was one of them actually on the Armistice Day because I wanted to point out, as my poster did, that uh, that I was just quickly showing you there, uh, that the British servicemen of Palestine 1945 to 48 mm-hmm. have never been invited, were never invited to the Cenotaph. And on Armistice Day, of course, that's the that's the day before the Remembrance Day at the Cenotaph. Yeah. Uh, and it was, uh, uh, you know, the, um, uh, uh, the, the day in which they were, were having their uh, argument that it was not possible to have these people march on Armistice Day. Uh, that's the reason I was showing my um, placard, because it was couldn't be more relevant. The confluence of Armistice Day and the ceasefire in Gaza could not be more suitable, because the intention is to disappear Palestine in the same way it was to disappear the eyewitness of the British servicemen who saw the uh, the terror, Jewish terrorists uh, and were uh, and reported to me actually uh, in unique eyewitness uh, recordings I made, which are now housed uh, in St. Anthony's College in Oxford, um, because I could not get the BBC. Uh, to take an interest. Mm. And I, I suppose I perhaps, Andreas, I should perhaps start at the very beginning. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, for our I was going to mention that last time you were on, we were a little bit all over the place because I wanted primarily to ask about your legal case with the Holocaust story from uh, from Dresden and all that stuff. But you did start uh, telling us about uh, the work that you did in Palestine, but we kind of uh, went off the topic. So I thought this would be a perfect opportunity to take it from the beginning. And I have saved some clips uh, that you had from there regarding the the bombing of the the King David Hotel mm-hmm. and uh, stuff from your your clips that we can play as well. But yeah, please start uh, uh, where it began. Well, well, I'll start in the early nineties. Because in the early 90s, I was absolutely so ignorant that of politics and, and uh, matters historic and so on, um, that uh, how good chum from Canada later on, Paul Fromm, he said to me in, those, in that era, if I'd said to you the word race, I think you probably would have thought immediately of the Royal Ascot races. (laughs) And I'm ashamed to say that's probably true. Um, So it it was actually in the early 90s, I was sort of part of what used to be called the jet set. Mm. And I had a chum, a Palestinian chum, who had been educated at Eton and Oxford. uh, And he invited me to meet his people, his family and so on in Haifa in Palestine. So I went there um, at that time, knew nothing much about Palestine. Um, I had never taken a particular interest in the founding of the Jewish state and so on. And so I was truly shocked to realize that if these people were to leave their homes for any length of time, their homes would be confiscated by the state Mm. Uh, and all sorts of 
extraordinary uh, uh, things that I had never realized. Uh, when he took me to, to Haifa and to Jerusalem, we walked that um, Via della Rosa uh, to, uh, up to the sepulchre and all that kind of thing. Um, uh, I might add that though he was a Christian Palestinian, I have always been um, very uh, opposed to um, the Amrahabic traditions, really. What uh, doc, uh, another good chum, uh, Dr. Tomislav Sunik, refers to as um, Christianity as being Bolshevism in antiquity. So um, I had no particular interest in the religious aspect of it, although I was interested to have a look and see how things were laid out. But it was from that moment that I took a, uh, a very different idea of what we were being told. And that chimes very well with my own lifelong career, because I started as a very young child as a photographic model by chance. And then at age 15, I, again by chance, began a lifelong career as an actress in television commercials internationally. And so I realized there was a great similarity between myself as a propaganda tool for advertising and the uh, ideas that of packaging and mispackaging and persuasion that were involved in selling politics. And um, so I took an interest in that topic. Um, and uh, where will we go from there? I would say um, that... Uh, it was in 2001, when we had the first Holocaust Day in the UK, that I uh, took a personal announcement uh, in the Times and the Daily Telegraph, in which I said, on Holocaust Day, remember there are four million Palestinian refugees. Mm -hmm. And I just put my post office box, I didn't put my name, I wasn't expecting any response. I simply, I didn't want to make it anonymous, on the other hand, I wasn't expecting, I just wanted to say something um, from my experience of having been in Palestine yeah. and knowing and, that, that... And these the are Palestinians that have been oh, driven from their homes by Jews. That's right. Exactly right, yes. Mm. Uh, people who are ref referred to as refugees in their own lands. Mm. And I think that is very relevant to us today because eventually we will be refugees in our our own lands, but that is a topic that we'll develop perhaps during the course of our conversation. Um, I say I'm an open book, but uh, Andreas, with too many footnotes, I tend to go off yeah, yeah, <laughs> in elaborate sure. tangents. Go anywhere you like. <laughs> <laughs> so just refer, re returning now to, uh, to my advertisement, my little announcement. Um, uh, 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 some British servicemen replied to me unexpectedly. And one of them was called Eric Lowe. And he had been one of the people in the, the, the lowest rank, really, uh, in the army. He had just been a, an ordnance man at age 17, had been conscripted, conscripted um, in 1945 to, to go to Palestine. Um, and he then took me to meet his colleague, his comrades at Eton Camp, and I got to understand the very opposite of what we'd been told in the Hollywood version of Paul Newman in the Exodus. It was what I call swindle speak. So I 
at that time, I was a member of the Reform Club <laughs> on Pall Mall until, of course, I brought David Irving there. But we'll go, we'll refer to, we'll return to that topic perhaps too. Um, and so I, there were a lot of BBC people there. It was a very prestigious club, the most prestigious club on Pall Mall near the, the, pal the palace and so on. And so I thought, well, I can't let these men die without recording their real eyewitness. So I hired a broadcast quality uh, camera and a cameraman and um, asked um, Philip Knightley, who was uh, at one time the Sunday Times uh, war reporter. Uh, and I saw that in his book, he reported everything except Palestine, 1945 to 48. Mm. So, uh, so I took them, uh, I, I arranged for this uh, recording to, to be made. Um, and it was very interesting for me to be able to record for posterity what those uh, conscripts had been told by their superiors there in, in Jerusalem. They had been told, and Haifa, they had been told that Jews going, never mind going back, but going to Palestine after two millennia to claim it for themselves would be like Romans coming back today after two millennia to claim Britain for themselves. A preposterous idea. Mm. So, um, and apropos of that, uh, years later, uh, when I was uh, invited to a garden party in, in London, where Howard Jacobson, um, a, a very well-known Jewish novelist, and uh, Maureen Lippmann, a very well-known uh, comedian and actress, Jewish actress, they were there. And I said to them, how is it that we hear that Jews recite every year a prayer next year in Jerusalem? But how is it that so few of them want to build up the demographics that are so needed there uh, in that uh, uh, Jewish state? Of course, they both got completely hysterical and rushed home and wrote uh, an article for each of their, uh, they, one, one worked, I think, for the Independent and the other for, I think, the Telegraph, but major newspapers, major national, nationwide newspapers about this dreadful incident where they'd, they'd experienced terrible anti-Semitism oh uh, because I simply asked a question. Didn't mention my name, but uh, later on, actually, um, Howard Jacobson, <laughs> I'm told, wrote a, a novel called Kaluki Nights in which he has his, as his um, uh, main uh, character a woman uh, called Francine who runs Lip Sync Films. Well, of course, I also have a French name, and I began telling films mm -hmm. um, in which he records these incidents with me, where he also says that some people are so fascinated with Judaism that they know more about it than we do. Mm. <laughs> so, um, of course, this is their um, this is their uh, hubris, of course. Yeah. Um, so. Um, uh, it was uh, the and now, of course, we we see uh, the the hubris is so great now in uh, uh, the spokesman, senior spokesman now in Israel, the Zionist entity. He has said when he was asked, I think it was on CNN or France Twenty Four, I forget now, um, recently in the last few days, that was he fearing that um, 
the, Israel might become a pariah state because of the uh, now that the world can see what they weren't able to see in 1948. We are now uh, able to watch uh, the crushing of 5,000 babies uh, under under the rubble and, and so on. And he said uh, he did not fear that Israel would become a pariah state because of who we are. Who we are. Mm. Who we are, for him, is the chosen people, what one might call um, um, gods of their own self-chosen religion. So uh, it, it's, it's uh, I think what we are, uh, what is relevant for our audience now is not so much the religious aspect that clearly Zionist America has adopted they, when they accepted to hyphenate Judaism with Christianity and therefore were treacherous to the, their entire reason for being. Mm. Um, um, it's not so much that they ha are on the side of the, the, the Zionist entity because of this um, craze for Christian Zionism and Vatican II, this worshipping of, of every Jew as if, uh, well, because of Holocaustianity, of course, um, every Jew is Jesus, uh, but it's really to do for us with the concept of becoming refugees in one's own land. And that is certainly what has happened to the Palestinians. In fact, I believe that, that they're not so much uh, after Hamas. What they're after is completely annihilating every single soul, tree, leaf and branch in, in Gaza. Yeah. In the next, uh, uh, you know, uh, and then they will start upon which they already are doing uh, at the same time simultaneously while they're having this um, uh, while they're having this uh, um, pause. Uh, they're also bombing uh, the West Bank. So I think that rather than um, Netanyahu uh, uh, losing um, credibility eventually. Uh, as many pundits say, I uh, unfortunately would forecast that he will be the great hero who will have brought about uh, Judaism made manifest, which is exactly what the Zionist entity is. Mm. He is carrying mm. out and telling his uh, soldiers, quoting about Amalek and quoting from Isaiah and, and so on about, you know, how they are to kill. Yeah, the light uh, and the dark and stuff like that. Yes. All that is, you know, kill men, women, dogs and cats and everything else, and which is what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think when he achieves that, uh, uh, he will be lauded uh, by the, 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 those who live in the, uh, uh, who choose to occupy Palestine. Um, yeah. He will be lauded by them because he will have carried out uh, so blatantly uh, which what the anti-Zionist rabbis and many others who are opposed to the, the, the institution of the Jewish state because they know that their hubris will undermine the, the main tenet of the Talmud, which is not to show one's hand to the Gentiles, yeah. which is precisely what Netanyahu is doing so spectacularly and stating it as he does so. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, it seems like the, the mainstream media is working overtime now to try and quell this, uh, like they call it, anti-Semitism. But it's a lot of people that are online nowadays, especially young people. They have access yes. to all these clips and everything that's being filmed in Gaza, all this horrific, uh, this massacre that's currently going on. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, when they watch the TV and they watch these pundits and they watch uh, representative, representatives from Israel talking about uh, like chasing Hamas and you know finding the commanders while they're bombing hospitals and schools and refugee centers and all that kind of stuff. People are seeing through it. Uh, I think probably a lot of people have seen through it before, but now more than ever, people are seeing well, it's really the going on. insult is so great. Uh, Andreas, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the in, the insult is so great that UN uh, yeah. <laughs> schools they have the chutzpah, mm. uh, you know, <laughs> to the, the the word for uh, lying and uh, cheating uh, and confounding mm -hmm. um, to bomb UN schools and hospitals, which only goes to this uh, arrogance. Uh, they, they are the supreme uh, rulers of the world, and these unfortunate, uh, you know, I, I was uh, invited to the Tehran conference in 2006, as you perhaps know, yep. and then in 2008, I was invited back, um, uh, and I had the opportunity of being invited by the then president of Iran, Dr. Ahmadinejad, mm. uh, to stand on his podium with him sitting lower than I in front of me in the audience. It was an extraordinary bit of um, genuine modesty that these uh, people have. Uh, mm. And uh, and I described to, to him um, what I'm about to tell your, your audience, our audience, and, um, uh, and that I said, you know, it would be a very good idea if they would stop thumping their chests and 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 giving a propaganda gift to uh, to the american uh, zionists by saying down with america death to america and simply insert one word that would help educate the people as to precisely what they mean i.e. down with zionist america mm. and i would say up with jeffersonian america the americans have forgotten that in their constitution that the Jeffersonian idea was no meddling in other people's countries. And now, of course, they have been so Judaized in America that now they want to boast that they are the, the gods of the world, that they are the leaders of the world, the policemen of the world. And they are, with NATO, uh, posing as the peacemakers whilst uh, surrounding uh, uh, countries like Iran, Russia and China. Uh, with their NATO forces, um, which are totally intimidating, uh, and their intention is regime change in those countries. Mm -hmm. It's it's grotesque, and I would describe it as Judaism made manifest. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy that uh, like the hypocrisy, and I've spoken about about that before. When it comes to Israel and its behavior, and then the condemnation from, I don't know, the international scene. There's more and more now, especially non-white countries are getting fed up with Israel. They're kicking them out of their councils. They are uh, 
like the Chinese erased Israel from their like Google Maps version. Uh, so mm. they can see that kind of stuff. But in the West, like Israel can literally bomb Syria, can literally just bomb their capital indiscriminately. Like on, on Christmas, they were bombing their churches and uh, no one says anything like in the in the swedish media never heard about it you know you have to go online in the in the back corners of the internet to find out what israel's doing but at the same time mm. when russia invades uh, ukraine and i'm not saying that's right you know i have to repeat that every time i mention this i'm not saying that it's right that they did that but they literally shoot a civilian or two you know and it's the end of the world you know they're they're like the I don't know, major headlines. Now well, we're seeing know. that Israel is just bombing women and children. Like they're literally picking up slabs of meat off the floor and shoving it into sheets daily now for mm -hmm. over a month. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, we're not hearing the same. We're hearing Israel has the right to defend itself and Hamas is hiding behind civilians and all kinds of propaganda lines mm -hmm. that they're pulling out. So, well, I happen I, to... They have, I don't think I am very happy to put on record that I don't think that Israel, the Jewish entity, has any right to yeah. exist in Palestine. <laughs> and my, my campaign website, www.jewishrepublic.com, is a, um, a campaign uh, to promote the first peaceful Jewish homeland. It's been there since 1928 on the southeast border in Russia. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, every... Uh, um, ethnicity that comprised the Soviet Union was given their own independent oblast by Stalin, and the Jews were given Birubijan. It's 32,000 square kilometers, whereas Jew uh, Palestine is 19. It's big, it's, uh, uh, it has much uh, uh, um, economic potential. It's been there peacefully, it didn't displace any or dispossess anyone in its inception. Mm -hmm. And actually, get Colonel Gaddafi, whom I regard as one of the great national socialist leaders, uh, because uh, with his Jamahiria, he did pretty much what Adolf Hitler had in mind for other countries. They're not going to seek Heil uh, Adolf Hitler. What they were going to do is to look to their own people and their own circumstance and do the best they could for their particular people in the mm -hmm. same way Adolf Hitler had intended. So I think um, uh, very, very highly of Colonel Gaddafi. After all, he was 27 when he came to power and he kicked out the US and the UN military bases from his country. Mm -hmm. What a fantastic role model is yeah. that? So I was invited to Tripoli in 2011 to, to the academy there, I had the opportunity to uh, to speak with, with uh, Colonel Gaddafi, and he was very impressed with the concept of being able to use the UN, uh, which is a dubious organization, of course, because mm -hmm. it's based on the Nuremberg uh, fraudulent trials, but that's another story, for which we can have, we should give great thanks uh, for exposing the fraud of those Nuremberg trials to David Irving, mm -hmm. the British historian. Um, uh, but uh, I, I must be careful not to lose my thread, Andreas. <laughs> Gaddafi, that's really cool. You <laughs> met Gaddafi, you were talking to him? Yes, I met him. And he, um, well, I'm very happy, very proud to tell you that he gave me his watch. Uh, oh, watch Jesus. That has to serve, 
He has awesome. a his portrait on it, you know. Wow. <laughs> so, um, so he liked the um, the idea of a, a, a creating a resolution in, for the UN to promote the first Jewish homeland option of Birabijan, and therefore to uh, to disdain uh, any further support of the criminally borderless state of the Zionist entity in Palestine, which has caused so much trouble since it became, uh, since since his intention was to be a, a world headquarters for world Zionism, yeah. um, as, um, as, as Adolf Hitler was able to forecast so well that it would become a bolt hole from, from international condemnation, which of course it certainly is. Um, and so he said that he would send his private jet uh, to collect me, to bring me back, uh, so that we would begin uh, this project to try to uh, reach each representative of the nations that comprise the UN to vote for a resolution for the first Jewish homeland option. Now, I think that there is uh, this possibility of a very good two-state solution, i.e., Palestine for the Palestinians, and Biribijan, the Jewish Republic, as it's now, is is called, although very, very, very little known, mm. the Jews. Uh, and that's the two-state solution. I think every grain of sand should be given back to the Palestinians, especially uh, given that Britain has, uh, is, has such great responsibility. Although I, I so wish that the, the, the pundits would stop talking about Nazis and uh, fascists and all this kind of ridiculous chronological dysfunction uh, concept of thinking that they are doing something clever when in fact they're doing nothing of the sort because the Zionist entity as designed by the founding father Theodore Herzl in 1897, he said that the blueprint would be to disappear that's the euphemism for genocide, the entire population, the indigenous population of Palestine and, re and fill it with European Jews. So 1897 is when the clock should start, not on the 7th of October or in 1945, mm. but in 1897, because that's when uh, the genocide that Netanyahu is clearly carrying out to this day this moment is Herzl's plan, the blueprint. So I, I, uh, I, I, I'm always urging, and it's the same um, with the other side of my banner, uh, to <laughs> to talk about Herzl and and so on. So um, because these these uh, facts are so little known, and they're they're not being um, observed by any of the pundits that we know of, and. Uh, if I may, um, Andreas, I would like to quote the British philosopher Bertrand Russell. Mm -hmm. Couldn't be more relevant. On his deathbed in 1970, he said, and I quote, every Israeli expansion is also an exercise to discover how much more Israeli, uh, uh, I'm sorry, ex discover, um, uh, sorry, Every ex Israeli expansion is also an exit to discover how much more Israeli aggression the world will tolerate. Yeah, exactly. 
Now, that is precisely what's happening. And if I may quote the late great groundbreaking revisionist uh, Professor uh, Robert Forisson, he said in 20 words, his 20 words, famous 20 words, which he quoted at the Tehran conference, quote, the alleged Hitlerite gas chamber and the alleged historical lie. I'm sorry, let me just get that closer. Um, the alleged Hitlerite gas chamber and the alleged genocide of the Jews form one and the same historical lie, which has permitted a gigantic political and financial swindle whose main beneficiaries are the state of Israel and international Zionism, and whose main victims are the Jewish, the German people, but not their leaders, and the Palestinian people in their entirety, end quote. Now, nothing could be more uh, correct than what we are and the world is witnessing and uh, waking up to, uh, you know, the the uh, the fraud is it, the, the the veil of the fraud is being lifted uh, as uh, with every passing day, and certainly after the next four days have yeah. passed, and they resume their their their, uh, their, their Judaic. I never dis- uh, separate Zionism and Judaism. No, no. Um, uh, Zionism is just a, 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 and the Jewish state. Yeah, sometimes Judaism. you might have to use use the Jews. You have to use the term Zionism because it's illegal to speak about Jews in some countries. Well, but it's okay to criticize yeah. Zionism. So they kind yeah, of, of course that's, yeah. That's and that's one, of course, one of the reasons why uh, that, that I uh, almost uh, uh, would be sitting for the for, for the last few years in a German yeah, prison in in Dresden. For sure. yeah. um, uh, but for the curious, the curious thing that saved me, actually. Um, uh, so we might as well just return to that topic just for the moment, because you mentioned it, because it's still relevant. That the thing that saved me after two and a half years of legal wrangling, two days before I was to come to trial, and I stayed um, in Germany to make sure that the Corona uh, lockdown would not prevent me from standing trial. Mm. There in Dresden in two thousand and eighteen. Well, I think my um, uh, speech was in two thousand and eighteen. Um, um, what was I telling you? It was <laughs> in twenty twenty the trial. Yeah, <laughs> like the, the whole yes. ordeal was over in twenty twenty. Yeah. What was the, what caused them to throw in the towel? Now, why did they throw in the towel when, according to them, I had committed so many 130, paragraph 130s uh, that I'd been there for 10 years, never mind five years, um, uh, because I was simply stating the historical facts mm. from the British archives. Um, it was the absurd celebrity that I have had all of my life uh, because I started... Um, well, my my father was a um, with the air the Royal Air Force. He was a reconnaissance photographer uh, uh, during the war, and after uh, a very dangerous job, I might say, because they, they fly low over enemy territory because it has to be quiet, and uh, so they unarmed and so on. So, in any case, the, um, uh, after the war, he developed uh, a, a photographic studio. 
um, and used me as a little child uh, for his to advertise his um, photographs. Um, then at about age seven, by chance, I was in a, uh, a big department store and was kind of discovered. To, uh, you know, they, they asked if I would uh, be the, the model, the little child model on the fairy on the Christmas tree or some other thing of that. And so that began uh, a lifelong career as what I call a propaganda tool in advertising, mm. which is very, very relevant uh, to our work. And again, I've lost track of where I was going. Um, now, I, the thing uh, is, we were, we were discussing this last time you were on. So uh, if, if people yes, were listening to that show, they'll know your story about how you did modeling your entire life. And then because of and that, was, w when you're involved in yes. a scandal, you do get a lot of headlines. <laughs> well, it, well, you see, it, it was that celebrity and being a beauty queen and all these kind of things and acting television and being a ballet dancer and so on. Many, I had many careers before mm. I left school. Um, it was all of that celebrity that caused interest when I was, be when I was arrested in Dresden. Mm. And so, of course, if I'm going to be on trial for four four. Uh, six executive uh, trials until it comes up to the human uh, court of human rights they are going to take an interest in me because of my silly celebrity uh, and in consequence that is the reason that they threw in the towel because it was as my lawyer had said that it would be history made vivid uh, uh, in uh, the courtrooms, and they did not want me to be exposing how Germany does not have its sovereignty, mm -hmm. how the allies, the all lies, as Richard Edmonds used to uh, so succinctly put it, um, uh, and all those kind of things that would have come out in my trial, they just simply uh, didn't dare take the risk in the end. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why I say it was because of that extraordinarily silly celebrity that I'd had that I didn't enjoy as a, as a young girl now saved my bacon, as it were. Um, yeah, and one uh, of the things that you were talking about in your speech as well was the, how, like the reasons why Germans were like uh, justified to concentrate Jews, basically, because they had declared war. Judea had declared mm. war on Germany and they were literally yes. fifth columns within the nation. They had to be isolated and, you know, any nation would do that and any nation has done that. America did mm. the same with the Japanese. You know, there's no Nuremberg trials for those people. <laughs> so. Well, yes, and now the Israelis are de describing the Palestinians yeah. as fifth columnists. Mm -hmm. Fifth columnists in their own, country. In their own <laughs> yeah. historic nation. Yeah, so they are the indigenous people uh, yeah. and they are now regarded as these uh, Johnny-come-lately, 75 years. Yeah. Their, their Zionist entity has only existed for 75 years. I know. I and know. As, um, as the, his, um, his Excellency, the Palestinian um, uh, ambassador, Afif Safir, um, he's a Palestinian Christian, and for my uh, video, he gave me uh, a, a wonderful interview in which he describes, he says that the, the Palestinians, he said, we Palestinians are not children of a lesser God. Um, and uh, it's that sort of thinking uh, that's um, very, very relevant to this whole uh, support of, of some of our 
allies, are all liars uh, uh, countries mm. that are supporting, you know, the uh, the Judaized um, Palestine. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, you know, Netanyahu is is simply. Uh, um, Doing the world a big favor uh, by exposing ex- exactly what um, Judaism is all about, and with a bit of luck, uh, it might wake up some of these Christian Zionists and these evangelical idiots, and these identity Christians who wannabes, the, the wannabes who, who want to be. Oh no, it's not the Jews who are the chosen people; it's the white people. And oh, for heaven's sake, mm. we have. We have the classical Greeks and their, their, the inheritance of those four inseparable classical virtues. Mm. We, we, we simply don't need the Abrahamic traditions. Um, no. But it's very, very difficult to get across to people the importance of, A, of starting the clock at 1897, not 1945, and stopping some of these very, very foolish um, uh, commentators. I'll see if I can just find that quote from the... the um, yes, it was two days ago when this Osama Hamdad, he's one of the, of the um, um, Hamas spokesmen, is foolishly calling the Israelis the new Nazis. Yeah, I know. Many of our own people do this. Um, yeah. as a strategy, Neo-Nazi as a, terror leader. Something like that. Yes, it's just, you know, exactly. Uh, it, it, which keeps the focus on Holocaustianity. So, um, effectively, the Palestinians are mere victims of the victims. Um, uh, and that way, the Arabs avoid looking at Israel and its terrorism as, in fact, Judaism made manners because they don't want to go to look at the origins of their own religions. Mm. Yet, what is the point of their two religions you know I, I i got very interested in um, uh, religion uh, in consequence of a, an experience i had to do with wagner which i won't go into at the moment but i will say that in 2000 i was doing an ma a, a postgraduate degree in the psychology of religion at haythrop college at the university of london um, and that's when i you know started to take an interest in looking at the 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 other abrahamic religions mm-hmm. um and i think um this idea of the victims of the victim is what the palestine solidarity people had as their manifesto and i had the opportunity of changing the mind i'm happy to tell you of paul eisen who was the author of the manif- the, the, that phrase, the victim of the victim, um, referring to the Palestinians being the victims of the Holocaust victims, mm. um, which of course is really how, uh, th- that's the frame in which all of this war is being uh, pr- proposed by you, the CNN and so on. And um, I was able to point out to him the fallacy of that. So there are one or two Jews who I wouldn't describe them as yet as ex-Jews, because I believe you can be an ex-Jew. You can say, I refuse this identity. It's uh, anti-Semitism. Bobby Fischer, you familiar with him? Well, you know, in, 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 in my, my thesis that I wrote uh, uh, in 2000, 
1997, actually, Wagner and Judaism, two advertising legends in tribal mystique. Mm. Um, and I, um, um, I, my argument was that it's possible to be an, an, an ex-Jew. Because but do you it's have to be anti-Jewish then? Like, how do you become? Why do you become an ex-Jew? No, you'd have to become anti-Judaic. Yeah. You, you know, imagine yourself two millennia ago. You are part of a Hebrew tribe. You, you in that particular tribe. Suddenly, the elders decide that they're all going to have. They are going to adopt the concept that was perhaps Akhenaten's origin, uh, where he's he began, Akhenaten, the Egyptian uh, pharaoh, he decided that there would be one God and he's God. There's only one God. Well, it didn't catch on because, of course, there was no investment for other people. But if you think in terms of applying it to a tribe where everybody has an investment in having themselves on um, as God's chosen, mm-hmm. uh, you can see how it ha- would have an appeal to vanity and greed. Mm-hmm. But if you were part of that tribe, you may not wish to join the psychopaths who are inventing this tri- this religion. So I say that it's an imposition that's based upon the concept of a race, but mm. that's an invention by those elders at that time. So though it appears to be a racial idea, i.e. anti-Semitism, which in fact was a term invented by a Jew, mm-hmm. uh, I think... Uh, uh, um, something or other, Ma, I can't think of his first name at the minute, uh, in about 1850, he was the one who invented this term, uh, anti-Semitism, uh, rather than call it anti-Judaism, because they, you know, uh, they don't want to attack a religion. They're happy to attack a group of people. Uh, so this overlay, this, inter- this confusion uh, between uh, making it a, a race as opposed to a uh, an imposition of, of of an identity, I believe you can be an ex Jew. But unfortunately, the interview that I, the the the, um, the show I did by chance opposite Professor Norman Finkelstein, yeah. uh, um, which is which is still is, is on YouTube. You can still yeah, see it. I mean, that. I was very respectful. I was very respectful at the time because he wrote The Holocaust Industry, and I thought, hmm, this chap is really uh, quite extraordinary. Uh, and so when I found myself opposite him on this uh, uh, Iranian uh, TV program, I thought to myself, why have they asked merely the model, is what I call myself, um, opposite Professor Norman Finkelstein? And I invite him, as I'd been, in, uh, as Robert Forrest and Professor Forrestson insisted that that I should be on the Tehran Committee um, subsequent to the 2006 Tehran, Tehran Committee, because there were five of us elected. In fact, there are only two of us have survived. In fact, the other the other three uh, have died. It's only me and. Um, Bernard Sharp in Switzerland. We are the survivors. And on the, as in that capacity, I invite Professor Finkelstein if he would come to the next conference. And he said that the bottom line had to be that five to six million Jews were gassed in Holocaust, you know, in this... Uh, this Holocaust. This, this unique uh, mass murder weapon. And so... Whilst I was happy for him to refer to me as a kitchen sink person, uh, fine, no problem at all. What is a kitchen sink person? I I heard you mention this before. 
What does he mean mm. when he says kitchen sink person? Well, I, I don't actually know, Andreas, but... Uh, is you it know, an I insult suppose... or is it a, a compliment? Oh, Do we know? Well, <laughs> well for me, I mean, I am happy to... Uh, uh, I'm not one of these dedicated feminists who think that the highest thing we can be is out of the kitchen and into floozing ourselves in FME shoes and uh, miniskirts and so on in yeah. offices. I don't happen to think that that's the ultimate uh, uh, position for women. I think, I think looking after the home and the family is and, and, and yeah, is a is the yeah. best possible uh, job that any female uh, can have because mm -hmm. you have, as even the Jews themselves will recognize, that the power of the woman is such that only the woman dictates whether the, per whether the, the, the child is halakhically Jewish or not, you see. Yeah, so, you know, the women are... They're a matriarchal they tribe. That's true. Yes, but uh, but uh, well, only because only because of that, because mm. they because they they know that the woman is the one who's going to have the greatest possible influence uh, in the rearing of the child. Uh, but anyway, we digress. <laughs> no, but that's digress. very interesting. I think, uh, but uh, this thing about Jews uh, like not becoming Jewish, like it's either a race or it's a religion, and like. Many times we discuss it as a, a race religion. You know, it's a, it's a people that's born into a religion because of their blood. But it's also a bastardized race. Like, there's so many different kinds of Jews. They're very mixed. And usually they, they breed out on the male side and they keep it pure on the, on the mother's side, on the woman's side. And the people that are well, that have Jewish mothers, they are the ones that can do Aliyah and go back. And go back, I say, <laughs> go to Israel. You know. Uh, well, so. you know, I, I have to tell you, the, uh, Andreas, that that when I bought Manfred Röder's house in Germany, and I can tell you a little bit about that. Oh yeah. Uh, on the front cover, here is the the very big. We uh, can't see um, the pictures because uh, of the the background. I don't know if you have uh, like a. Uh, green screen setting but it kind of disappears when you hold it up to the camera oh i see well in any case i can show you that it's a very big um, regional newspaper in central germany and yeah and on the cover when i bought this property which they regard they, they describe me as the the evil uh, blot on the landscape the brown blot on the landscape he they actually quote what i think about judaism mm. which came from a from a speech that i gave that in Tehran, uh, in, and in fact, I'm going to boast to you because I'm very proud to tell you that that in that speech, I criticize Judaism. And I know that we were asked not to talk about religion uh, at that conference. So I, I did say that I spoke in my own name and not in anything else. And when I came off the podium, I was expecting... Uh, Professor Forrest to to scold me. Instead of which, he said, "I give you twenty out of twenty for your speech." Mm. Um, and then, on top of that, David Duke and uh, Michael Collins Piper both came up to me and said, "We give you twenty out of twenty for your speech." So nice. I am very proud to boast to our listeners. Yeah, that's a good company you <laughs> that, got there. Uh, that I was in very, very good company and very proud for to be able to brag to you. 
yeah. that uh, that um so uh, now let me think what would be a very good uh, I well, wanted to mention, you know, actually, I... if uh, if I may, you were talking about uh, Israel only being seventy five years old, or the mm. like, oh, yeah. and that you know, it's only existed mm. since nineteen forty eight, and there's nothing to say that it's going to exist in the future. It's not like a, a given thing that it exists, and ever since it has existed, like we began the interview, talking about their terror campaign. In the 40s, running up to 1948, with uh, the British being stationed down there, I was mm-hmm. going to first show this tweet from Elon Musk, uh, where he now mm-hmm. says that, as I said earlier this week, decolonization from the river to the sea and similar euphemif- euphemisms necessarily imply genocide. Clear calls for extreme violence are against our terms of service and will result in suspension. And it's interesting that it's only in this case, like Elon Musk, you know, he's been back and forth on free speech on Twitter. You know, I'm not allowed on there. Mark Collett is not allowed on there. Uh, But he has uh, let some people speak very freely on this issue. Like they've been going on about ban the ADL and now they're going on about Israel on Twitter. But now all of a sudden, you're not allowed to say from the river to the sea. Like from the river to the mm, sea that, means that Palestine, the Palestinians, get their homeland back from the occupying peoples that are there, currently genociding them with the help of America. Without America and all the money that they're getting from Germany and all the other countries that are just pitching in, they wouldn't be able to kill these people. They would be, well, they would lose this war for sure. So... I think it's, it's a charity state. It's a charity state. Yeah, <laughs> it's propped up highly yeah, exactly. by the billions that we foolish people, uh, our leaders, and it's insane. Give that, to them. It's insane that people claim that these people are just like us. You know, these are just white people in the Middle East. You know, they have. It's oh. the only democracy in the Middle East. Why can't they just make their own country and live on their own? No, they can't, because they're not nation builders. These people are nation wreckers, and they were given their own place down there. Like the Balfour Declaration explicitly said that it couldn't be created on the detriment on the people that already live there. But, but we have seen the map slowly change over the years where they've taken more and more territory. And like the conditions that the people on the Gaza Strip live under, is, uh, it is an open concentration camp. Just the fact that during this conflict that kicked off now, they are able to turn off water and electricity whenever they want. You know, they just have that power. They can turn off the internet, and then they can bomb well, their hospitals great, and schools. Yeah. Well, there's a great deal of trouble here at the moment. Uh, on the weekends, every weekend, every Saturday, the uh, ceasefire uh, now rally uh, people go by. The hundreds of thousands go there, and of yeah. course, the police have just given them leaflets now that they're not allowed to uh, to say certain things. They're lucky if they can say. From the uh, river to the sea, mm, exactly. <laughs> because they, this is, uh, but the river to the sea uh, can refer to the uh, sea uh, uh, and the river of Jordan. But the fact is that the Palestinians are entitled to the entire mm, area exactly. of Palestine, and the Israelis are, are wishing 
because they have a borderless, they, uh, they're criminals for a start, because they are borderless, uh, they haven't given any uh, borders, and they, are, they want, uh, according to their flag, a good deal more than, yeah, than Palestine. Exactly. They want From the Euphrates the to the Nile. The Euphrates in terms of, and that's why we've had all of these insane wars. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many wars are we having for Israel, which yeah. has, of course, the, the downside of not only making enemies that we didn't have before, Mm. Uh, when we have left depleted uranium in Iraq, where these the mothers are still having uh, deformed babies, I mean, uh, what these our leaders do in our name is so obscene. Uh, really, it's it's just too obscene. Mm. Uh, and and in consequence, of course, it creates all of these refugees. Some being genuine refugees, but I can assure you that the people that I have met, they don't really want to be among us. They want to go back to their own countries. They do. Yeah, they, yeah a lot of them do. Yeah. want to, but the, the genuine um, uh, uh, Arab uh, refugees f from the countries that we've bombed the hell out of, for only, they haven't attacked us. 9-11 was a, was a false flag. We know that. So uh, we have gone for these wars And now, of course, we've got this criminal creep, um, a Blair, who is now going to be coming back into the fold oh, yeah. um, to assist with the Labour Party win. I mean, really, it is actually horrific, just as an aside, to explain uh, to, our, to our viewers that we have to do something in Britain. You asked me what is happening in Britain. We have to do something in Britain to stop the attorney general being able to balk any uh, inquiry about the attorney general's behavior. Uh, uh, the parliament should be above the attorney general. That is why the attorney general got away with, 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 with Blair uh, in, in the Iraq war because mm. uh, it, it, it did not go to parliament. It, it, it stopped and no one could touch the um, the attorney general. Well, this is not actually lawful. So we want to investigate this. Uh, there are many things that we can do, even though we have a great deal of opposition and uh, and, uh, um, and 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 so on. Uh, there are many legal uh, ways in which. I mean, I would love to see us start a taxpayers' party in all of our countries. If we started a taxpayers' party, we would be defueling our enemy without naming the enemy and we would What's be controlling a, party? a party where the taxpayers are consulted with what they want their money to be spent on uh -huh. so most of the money that is spent on these wars comes from these citizens mm. who are being taxed so if we decide uh, whether we want our money spent on hospitals, roads, etc., etc., and we don't want them spent on the criminal state of Israel, for instance, or sending money to Zelensky, who has declared that he wants to make um, another Israel out of the Ukraine. <laughs> Hello. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, the taxes, we would be in charge uh, of, uh, of our own uh, nations instead of the... Uh, it's, it's a little bit like... Um, The idea of Rumpelstiltskin, the, I don't know if you know the Brothers Grimm story yeah. of Rumpelstiltskin. 
yeah. uh, very well known in the West and so on for our kindergartens and so on, which are no longer called kindergartens, by the way, it's too, too German. <laughs> they call them play schools now. Um, so here is a story which was um, uh, coming about with the Brothers Grimm at about the same time as Disraeli uh, is um, ushering in to uh, our UK Parliament Rothschild to represent Britons in Parliament, although um, Rothschild cannot swear on the Christian oath because, of course, the Kol Nidra prayer allows Jews to nullify their oaths and vows that they make every year, especially with Gentiles. So at the same period, this mid-19th century, when the Brothers Grimm are composing these stories, at the same time, we are hearing about the, 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 the um, Rothschild dynasty and their money-making uh, enterprise and control. And so in that particular fairy tale, which, of course, all these fairy tales and nursery rhymes have got to do with politics, like all advertising, um, uh, there's always a component of, of, of politics there. In the story, if you'll recall, this uh, little elf is able to help, uh, able to spin straw into gold. And conversely, presumably the opposite, perhaps could spin um, money, uh, gold into to, to, uh, paper money. And but he loses his power when he's named. And that's the concept. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. uh, you know, unless you speak favorably about the gifts of the Jews, you are not allowed to criticize them. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, and they're, they're the, the big definition that they haven't quite nailed yet, but are trying all the time, is to prevent anyone from criticizing any Jew about anything at all. That's yeah. to be the new definition of uh, anti Semitism, as Joe uh, Sobrin, the only person I ever heard David Irving admire, Joe Sobrin, the late Joe Sobrin, American. Um, journalist, he said, the definition of, a, of an anti-Semite is anyone a Jew hates. Yeah, that's uh, exactly. That, that's exactly and they always project, so that's a good lesson. It, well, Swindlespeak is the, the, the name of the game. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, Wagner actually got it so right in 1850, 1850 when he writes uh, that we need emancipation already from Judaic influence. And then, of course, you've got uh, in, in uh, 18, as I've mentioned, 1897, you've got Herzl, Theodore Herzl, the founding father of the Jewish uh, uh, of Zionism. Uh, yes, and the Jewish uh, genocide that we're we, we witnessing before our eyes. Um, that, that's 1897. Uh, and then you've got uh, today, you've got all this incredible amount of spin um, uh, where the opposite is the case invariably every time these people open their mouth, yeah. the sophistry that comes out of it, the, the deliberate confusing and confounding of the truth, it couldn't be more better. Well, it's been recently updated beautifully with Mark Regev, who's the Israeli ambassador to, to the US, to the UK, sorry. It's like a tutorial in Swindlespeak is a phrase I've uh, sort of coined where he's talking about that Irish Jewish child um, and, and talking about how it's all right to describe 
um, uh, it, it, you, you can drive Jewish children as children, but but Israeli children as minors. You can't compare the two. And at that point, he doesn't mention that he's talking about one child in, in this uh, uh, swindle speak that he's going on with, without mentioning the six thousand, six thousand. Pol- uh, Palestinian babies in the last few weeks that have been crushed to death. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the lying is. So I, I mean, I, had he, a, he, I have a very relevant clip to that. Golda Meir. I mean, Golda Meir says we can never forgive the Palestinians for forcing us to kill their children. No. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have a clip here where he's uh, this guy is talking about most of the people that were bombed uh, were Hamas. Uh, Commanders, of course. You have to remember, Jonathan, many of the people who were killed were terrorists. The, the majority of people who were killed were Hamas terrorists. People are saying this number, 12,000 12, people were killed. Yes, this is the Hamas is an army of 40,000 people, and many of them were killed, and, and good riddance. Uh, so, and again, there is, there are civilians who were hurt, and this is what happens when you have a very dense populated area that is, we, uh, we have, you're, you're engaged in a war in a very densely populated area. The best example I can think of is the, the fighting in Mosul. <laughs> so the most, most of the people that have been bombed uh, in the past month, they're Hamas commanders and soldiers, of course. Uh, they're all hiding mm-hmm. in the hospitals mm-hmm. and schools. Okay and refugee centers and stuff. Well, you have to bear in mind, too, actually, about the satellite. Who owns the satellite? Mm. You know, when I was making that film uh, that we talked about, that we haven't really talked so much about, but the Israel in flagrante caught in acts of swindle speak, which is yeah. uh, how I recorded these British soldiers, um, I could only get one channel to take an interest, and that was mm. the Islam channel. So I said to them, why won't you let me tell the full truth? Uh, You know, it's your channel. They said, yes, but uh, if we did, we would be closed down tomorrow. I said, but since it's your channel, how can it be? He said, because guess who has the veto on who may get a license to broadcast? Mm. You see? And so it's the same Al Jazeera, someone said to me the other day, isn't it extraordinary how Al Jazeera give both sides of this conflict? Mm-hmm. I said, well, they would have to because they will lose their license to broadcast. Whereas, of course, Israel has its own satellite. And we're told that one of the things that Hamas is concerned about is that they should not have their drone satellite operating when this is these Exchanges are going on. Uh, I suppose that's the reason why they're done at night. I don't know. Mm. Uh, But it's interesting. They, of course, have their own satellite, which, of course, our billions have provided for them because they said that uh, they made they alone made the desert bloom in in uh, in Israel. Mm. But in fact, we only did that because we have given them billions and billions and billions. in uh, you know, as, uh, and, and uh, you know, and all of this is down to advertising skill. Their skill is in sheer advertising bullshit. 
That yeah. is what it's about. For sure. Really and truly, there's no other right word for it. Because here we've got Disraeli ushering in in 1855, as I said, Rothschilds to misrepresent Britons in Parliament because he can't swear under Christian oath. He can't because unlike Disraeli, who pretended to be christened, uh, although he said race is all is race, uh, Disraeli uh, and uh, and Rothschild, of course, uh, uh, recite the Kol Nidra prayer every Yom Kippur, where they disavow their votes. It was totally alien to both Christians and Islam, and certainly to us as um, the inheritors of the classical Greek tradition. Then you've got Max Nordor, one of the other founding fathers of uh, saying that that we will use the euphemism homeland until such time as we can sk- state our real real aim we make palestine a state and then you've got Heim Weissmann who was the real author of the Balfour declaration that was written to Rothschild which as you said earlier has been totally uh, totally annihilated, mm-hmm. especially since 2018, when Netanyahu introduced the new state law, in which uh, anybody not Jewish is totally second class, uh, and uh, and uh, the uh, and so this completely undermines the concept of any sort of decency to do with the Balfour Declaration. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it's we really are witnessing. Um, vivid history now coming to the fore where we can decide for ourselves uh, what we think is is really happening there. And so many people on these marches now worldwide. Yeah. The mask sure. is, is dropping of what Judaism is all about. Yeah. And, uh, and, I think uh, uh, if we could have a little break here, what do you say about that? I, uh, we have a, a thing that I was going to play, and um, I have some uh, really sad news to the uh, Nordic Frontier listeners uh, that have been following us for a very long time. It is like this, that uh, our former co-host, uh, Johan, passed away this week. Uh, he was uh, battling with uh, cancer for the last three years. And I was really hoping that he would uh, be able to beat it, but uh, he didn't. And he leaves a wife and uh, four children behind. And, uh, you know, people that have listened to the show, they know Johan and uh, that he has, uh, he was always very positive. He was a boomer that found National Socialism late in life and... uh, he was never blackpilled or depressed or anything, and uh, he ran a really nice uh, household. I had the pleasure of uh, spending a weekend with them once uh, a few years ago. So they're truly wonderful people, and I'm really sad uh, that he had to go before his time. So I was going to play here a uh, compilation that I made years ago, uh, kind of a promotion trailer for Nordic Frontier where he is featured. And uh, you can enjoy this for a few minutes and uh, we'll be right back. Previously on the Nordic Frontier. This show is about nothing. That's kind of what Jews can do really well. 
things out in the podcast nowadays. We're like even we're at a point now with an actual vast majority of people who aren't brain dead lemmings actually agree with us. We have people coming up to us on the street saying we agree with you guys and good job blah blah blah. We're so close now that the only thing we need to do is to encourage enough of those people to take a step one more step and become public and not hide behind computer screens and come to our demonstrations and be active on the streets tell their friends and family and lead by example and be proud people we just uh, put them on the other side of the border hope for the best and then the next year they come back and they're on social yeah. welfare happens all the time Yeah, Sweden is to really become the rhythm of the world, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, when we tell people or ask people, what have you done? That's like the opposite of Fed Post. We're yeah. just asking, like, what are you doing to improve your life and to further the struggle? Like, do you have an organization? Hmm. Are you doing anything to organize yourself? Are you doing any activism? Reading Mein Kampf, you know, anything to actually become a better Aryan. That's what you need to be doing. That's what you need to be doing. Well, actually, I have a little white pill. Another boomer. Another boomer. So, he told me, you know. Yo, this is Rob Rondo here from Wheel to Rise. You're listening to the Nordic Frontier, the final solution to all your podcast problems. The uh, final solution to all your podcast problems. Yeah, that one's for you, Johan, and uh, I'll see you in Valhalla for sure. Uh, he was my favorite boomer, and uh, it is what it is. So we have some donations coming in. Uh, we have uh, D. Salen Seven saying, uh, "Lady Michelle Renouf is the last of the true English nobility, noble in word and deed." Thank you very much. We have Ryan GGG. He says, the competition is stiff, but few people have given and had taken so, so much of the Jew and gotten so little back in return than the British. I adore everything British, so it pains me. Yeah, that's true. Like all these conquests, like all this uh, colonialism and every all these conflicts over the years, uh, especially in the 1800s and forward, you know, it's just uh, Jews behind the, the curtain. 
we have Dare Cherisker saying, good episode, good guest. Thank you. And then we have Scaredy Cat. She says, Dear Andreas, I lost your pronunciation last week since my Odyssey screen froze and your replay wasn't published. So Sweden song line two again. So the Swedish national anthem, line two again. Du tysta, du glädjerika sköna. You quiet, you joyful beauty. It's like the Bangladesh, literally land of the Bangla people. Your sky, your wind, play the flute in my life. Well, that is good and cryptic. I like it. But yes, that's uh, the Swedish for the week is Du tysta, du glädjerika sköna. And then we have Pierce Taylor. He says, condolences for Joan's family and kameraden. Hail victory. Thank you very much, people. And we give you a... May the blessing of tear be upon you. All right, uh, on with the show. And I thought, uh, should we watch one of these clips from your videos? We can watch the um, one-minute one clip of the King David Hotel bombing. Like, to remember that this place was founded on terrorism and has been perpetuated with terrorism ever since. Could you tell me something about the uh, way that Jewish terrorists bombed the King David Hotel? I knew about it because everybody was talking about it. It had been up to that point the worst atrocity. 91 people killed. Uh, many of them Arabs, probably more Arabs, simply because they were killed on a bus that was passing. Jews were killed in it. Very few British soldiers. And what they did, they dressed as Arabs and they took seven milk churns into the basement of the hotel they were packed with dynamite. And then they let off a petard outside, a small bomb, to, as they say, keep people away. But that's when that small bomb went off, it actually it killed more people, simply because on the military wing, they went out to the windows to see what had gone off in the street. That wing then collapsed, and that killed, killed more. Mm-hmm. And that's in uh, 1946, was it? Uh, I think it was 1947, actually. But, okay. uh, but of course, the, the thing that uh, Eric Lowe goes on to describe there is how they dressed as Arabs. Mm. You see, they took uh, six milk churns in there and dressed as Arabs and left a little Arab evidence behind, very reminiscent of the same agenda, the same technique as they used in 9-11 when we, uh, when we to my, our surprise, found a, uh, an Arab passport uh, in amongst the, the, the inferno there. Mm. Uh, so leaving a little Arab evidence behind and, and so on and so on is very <laughs> it much sounds like 9-11. My God. <laughs> exactly, exactly like it. That's exactly that. But I, I'm just wondering, actually, um, Andreas and Guffy, whether we might be able to uh, dedicate this little interview uh, to William Nichols. William Nichols was the right-hand man and translator who had, um, who, of Professor Robert Forrestson, mm -hmm. the late Robert Forrestson, that we've mentioned before. And he, uh, William Nichols, has often provided me with invaluable research material. And one of the first that he provided for me was the, the Stockholm 
2000 forum guidelines about teaching about the Holocaust in schools. Mm -hmm. And so if I can just read to you what those guidelines are, yeah, just sure. one sentence. And it's from my, I suppose you can't see that, I don't know, it's, my, uh, it's from my Jading Opinions film, yeah. um, which begins, uh, 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 as, uh, incidentally, uh, uh, with the, doctor, the late Dr. Christian Lindner, your Danish philologist and revisionist. Um, when I spoke in uh, Denmark uh, there very many years ago, the symposium that they had. But the quotation that I have on the back of my... Of my um, Jailing Opinions DVD, uh, it, it quotes from page 11 of the teaching guidelines, which are still international guidelines uh, originating from Stockholm International Forum 2000 and renewed in 2007. And, and, and it's, quote, care must be taken not to give a platform for deniers, uh, for deniers read skeptics, Mm -hmm. um, or seek to disprove the denier's position through normal historical debate and rational argument. Mm -hmm. Clearly, that's the, clearly, you are teachers are to to treat World War II and the the Hollywood version of, of history as a religion. There's no yeah. question that it is to be taught as if Holocaustianity, as a secular religion in which you do not query whether the facts are correct or not, you just believe. And as Robert Forrestson pointed out, not only uh, should you believe it, but according to the Jews, you should not even think to query. You should not even think to yourself. Yeah. You must not even have a thought of your own. It's very much... 1984 esque, that you must not even think. Um, yeah, that, that uh, was of part of the, the suggested uh, new hate speech in Sweden against anti Semitism, because so far it has been legal in Sweden to question the Holocaust. That's why we do it on the show at every opportunity. And it's yeah. also illegal to question Jewish power. Like, why do they own all the media, the banks? Why do they? keep doing the usury why why do they own all the porn you know we, we are allowed to question those things so far but in the suggestions for the new laws it is about uh, belittling the, the holocaust so you're, you're you're not allowed to question it you're not allowed to mm. deny it you're not even allowed oh, to like no joke. comparisons <laughs> yeah you're not allowed to belittle yeah. it by saying that you know Six million is nothing compared to whatever something else. You know, you're not allowed to do that. That's that's going to be illegal, and I just find that absolutely absurd. Like they're gonna haul you off to to jail if you belittle the Holocaust. Yes. Well, you see, in the Arthur Butts, you know, Professor Arthur Butts in his uh, The Hoax of the Twentieth Century, he said. Few people know that Jewish history as taught to Jews is replete with one, quote, Holocaust after another. Mm. Um, and he says, the six million legend of recently official history is Talmud providential, provident, providential history refurbished for the 20th century. The four billion Jews killed by the Romans under Hadrian, the ensuing tidal wave of blood that plunged 
uh, down into the sea, carrying the large boulders along with it and staining the sea at distance of four times out. The 64 million Jewish school children, Bethra, who were wrapped in their scrolls and burnt alive by the Romans, the bodies of the martyred Jews used to build a fence around Hadrian's huge vineyard, and the blood saved from all the tidal wave to fertilize the vineyards have become our six million of today, end quote. And that is just the sort of thing that is now being taught uh, in schools. And I know it's being taught in schools in Germany because I happen to be sitting on a train in one of those compartments. And I was sitting opposite a young girl and we were chatting with her and she said uh, she was a teacher. And I said, what part of history do you teach? She said, the Holocaust. So I asked her what aspects of the Holocaust does she does she talk about? And she said, well, you know, we have all witnessed the, the soap, the lampshades, the human soap lampshades and uh, shrunken heads. Uh, and I said, but those things have been completely discredited by all sides of the debate because I happen to have attended David Irving, the British historian of World War II, his civil action in London at the, at the uh, London High Court, um, in which both sides said this was simple war propaganda. Um, and I could see that she was physically uncomfortable and really longing to leave that, that uh, compartment. Uh, it, it, it's a sort of, um, I simply could not get across to her uh, that this has been accepted as simple war propaganda, the same as in World War One, when they said that they chopped off, the Germans chopped off the hands of babies and all that sort of thing, exactly the same sort of thing that we're hearing from Regev and so on about how wicked the Hamas were, that they they were, well, let's let's read some of the list. It says... Um, there were uh, 40 dead babies, there were yeah, baked beheaded. babies, there were beheaded Jesus. babies, there were children in cages, eyes gouged, raped women, ripped breasts, babies in paraded uh, captives, tortured captives, uh, mutilated dead bodies, pregnant women cut open, mass rape, etc., etc., etc. All of this thing that we've just heard, and we still keep hearing Biden talking about this kind of stuff, yeah. which, which without any <laughs> evidence whatsoever to 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 uh, to substantiate any of this yet we do have evidence from before our eyes of exactly that kind of thing happening to all these thousands of babies and these terribly mutilated children uh, that that they are the, the jewish terrorists uh, in occupied palestine are perpetrating um, so just going back to William uh, Nichols, who was the right-hand man to Professor Robert Forreston, he mm. reminded me when I was going on this program about what Professor Robert, Finkels, uh, Robert uh, uh, Forreston had said the very morning that he, uh, later in that day, died. He was, he was at breakfast with us. He'd given a conference in Shepparton, where he was born, actually. He was a half Scots, half French, mm -hmm. uh, living in France, but born in Shepparton. And that's where we had, we put a, hot, uh, a conference on for him. And the following day, over breakfast, he said, oh, he said, I forgot to mention 
the most important thing. And then he started telling me about um, these, uh, what, what um, uh, the Third Reich uh, and the territorial solution and so on. And um, so I, William sent me this material and I'd like to read it, if I may, because it really is a, a masterclass in international diplomacy by Adolf Hitler. Mm. And it was concerning Palestine. Um, uh, and he was writing it uh, uh, in reply. Adolf Hitler was writing a reply to the American president, Roosevelt, um, as a public challenge in 1939. Now, just to relate this to my documentary, uh, Israel in Fragranti, caught in acts of Swiss, uh, that you have just been, twist speak, that you have just been using, showing as a, an excerpt. Yeah. I cite the first Saudi king, Ibn Saud, in his letters to the U.S. President, President Roosevelt. Ibn Saud forewarned, alas, his um, successors have ignored, that that no country would welcome those who seek to take it over and that if the Jews are allowed to take over Palestine, the mountains will tremble at their terrible hands. And that is what King Ibn Sawa said. Um, and of course, in 1949, we learn that Israel has established its rogue WMD Demono nuclear plant in the Negev. This is, of course, four years after we are told that European Jews all went up the chimney. <coughs> Pardon me. So I'd like to quote from what Adolf Hitler says. Mm -hmm. He says, and he's addressing the members of the German Reich, Reichstag. It's page, it's number point 18 uh, of this uh, um, masterclass, really, as, as, as a, in international diplomacy. He says, finally, Mr. Roosevelt, asked that assurances be given that the German armed forces will not attack, above all, will not invade the territory or possessions of the following independent nations. He then named those to which he preferred, Finland, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Netherlands, Belgium, Great Britain, Ireland, France, Portugal, Spain, Switzerland, Liechtenstein, Luxembourg, Poland, Hungary, Romania, Yugoslavia, Russia, Bulgaria, Turkey, Iraq, Ira Arabia, Syria, Palestine, Egypt, and Iran. My answer, this is Hitler's answer. I have taken the trouble to assert from the states above, mentioned firstly, whether they feel themselves threatened, and what it and what is more important, secondly, whether this inquiry of Mr. Roosevelt was addressed to us at their suggestion, or at least with their consent. The reply, <clears throat> pardon me, was in all cases negative, in some cases strongly so. It is true that among the states and nations mentioned, there were some to which these inquiries could not be made, Syria, for instance, because they are at present not in possession of their freedom, but are held under occupation by military forces of democratic states and consequently are deprived of their rights. Apart from this fact, however, all nations bordering on Germany have received much more binding assurances and more importantly, more binding proposals than Mr. Roosevelt asked from me in his curious telegram. <coughs> 
<laughs> Should there be any doubt as to the value of those general and specific statements which I have often made, then any further statement of that kind, even if addressed to Mr. Roosevelt, would be equally worthless. For in the final analysis, it is not the value that Mr. Roosevelt gives to such statements, which is decisive, but the value given to such statements by the countries in question. But I must also draw Mr. Roosevelt's attention to one or two mistakes in history. He mentions Ireland, for instance, and asks for a statement to the effect that Germany will not attack Ireland. Now, I have just written a speech given by the Irish Prime Minister de Valera, in which, oddly enough, and contrary to Mr. Roosevelt's opinion, he does not charge Germany with oppressing Ireland, but reproaches Britain with subjecting Ireland to continuous aggression. With all due respect to Mr. Roosevelt's insight into the needs and cares of other, other countries, it may nevertheless be assumed that the Irish Prime Minister would certainly be more familiar with the dangers that threaten his country than would be the President of the American Republic. And this is the most important part now. Similarly, the fact has obviously escaped Mr. Roosevelt's notice that Palestine is at present occupied not by German troops, but by the British, we're talking 1939, mm. and that the country's freedom is being restricted by the most brutal use of force, is being robbed of its independence, and is suffering the cruelest mistreatment for the benefit of Jewish interlopers. The Arabs living in that country would therefore certainly not be complaining have complained to Mr. Roosevelt of German aggression, but they are voicing a constant appeal to the world, deploring the barbaric me methods with which Britain is attempting to suppress a people that loves its freedom and is merely trying to defend it. This is the final paragraph. This too is perhaps a problem that in Mr. Roosevelt's view should be solved at the conference table, that is, before a fair judge and not by brutal force, military methods, mass executions, burning down villages, blowing up houses, and so on. For one fact is surely certain. In this case, Britain is not defending herself against a threatened Arab attack, but as an uninvited interloper, is endeavouring to establish her party, her power in a foreign territory that does not belong to her, end quote. And then, of course, there's another aspect here, uh, which again substantiates uh, Adolf Hitler's concern for Palestine. And he says, and this is what Robert Forreston raised uh, over breakfast in his last day, that evening he died, uh, but this was his last thought uh, and that concerned him most. And so I like to take this opportunity to honor Robert Forreston's final thoughts. Yeah, and he, sure. he says uh, from his archive, Robert Forreston archive, after considering several possible territorial solutions for the Jewish question, and uh, solutions which, like the Madagascar project, uh, proved unworkable, Germany was ready to hand over the Jews of Europe to the Americans and British, but not, but on the condition that they keep those Jews within their own territories until the end of the war and not allow them to emigrate to Palestine. 
in order to spare, quote, the noble and valiant Arab people, end quote. Indeed, mm. for example, in 1944, the German foreign ministry, headed by Joachim von Ribbentrop, in informed the British government that Germany was ready to hand over 5,000 non-Aryan persons, of whom 85% would be children and the other 15% adults accompanying them, from Poland, Lithuania and Latvia, but on condition of receiving the guarantee that they would be hosted till the end of the war in British in the British Empire, for example, in Canada, <coughs> pardon me, barring Palestine, and the rest of the Middle East. Quote, the Reich government cannot lend itself to taking part in a maneuver that would tend to let the Jews chase the noble and valiant Arab people from their homeland, Palestine. And so on the January the 15th, 1945, Heinrich Himmler met the former Swiss president, uh, Jean-Marie Musi, in the Black Forest of Vilbad, the latter was there at the behest of the Americans to discuss once again, quote, the improvement of the Jews' lot. And this is the reply that Himmler made. Our view on the Jewish question is as follows. The position taken by America and England regarding the Jews does not interest us in, in any way. What is clear is that we do not want to have them in Germany and in the German living space given the decades of experience since the, 19, since the First World War, and we shall not join in any discussion on the matter. If the American wants, if America wants to take them, and we are glad of it, but it must be ruled out, that, and here a guarantee will have to be given to us, that the Jews whom we allow to leave continental Europe via Switzerland can ever be sent to Palestine. We know that the Arabs, just as much as we Germans, reject the Jews and we do not want to partake in any such indecency as the sending of more Jews to that poor nation tormented by the Jews, end quote. So here is uh, the same feeling that the Germans had and, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Wagner expressed in 1858 when he said that we were being... Uh, we needed emancipation ready <clears throat> from Jewish influence. It is the same for the Palestinians today. Yeah, they say yeah. they don't want a one-state solution because they don't want to live amongst these ghastly people. Why would they when all they've experienced from these people has been murder and, uh, and lies? Uh, um, so... I, it's um, there is a, a common denominator there in terms of understanding, but it's wrong, very wrong, for people to keep arguing uh, uh, and referring to 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 the the Jews as the new Nazis because yeah. in 1897 Adolf Hitler was aged eight, yeah. and. Nazism and fascism were half a century away. So it's got the 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 genocide of the, the of the Palestinian people since 1897, when it's when it was the genocidal program was established as the means. Uh, 
it has nothing to do with Nazis or fascism. No. It has everything to do with Judaism. But the thing and is, I with really the, the Palestinians, to get this across to the, to, to the, uh, uh, the Arab people, really, like the Palestinian cause back in the sixties, seventies, uh, was uh, was a communist cause. It's very the, the leftist idea is very instilled in them. At the same time, as you can see them, you know, spraying swastikas uh, like graffiti all over the place. I guess they do it to piss off Jews, like. Uh, it's just a provocative thing that they do. But I think the leftism... Uh, now, there's hardly any older Palestinians left because they keep getting murdered all the time. It's very low... What's that? The middle age is very low. In, uh, well, we have it in, in that film of mine where we have the Netura Carter rabbis, the anti-Zionist rabbis, yeah. who are, are, are actually pointing out um, uh, these things uh, that... Um, so, um, uh, yeah, but they have like an anti-Nazi stance. That's that's what I'm thinking. Like they think of Nazi bad because they have this leftist communist thinking in in their history, I guess, and fascism as well. Fascism bad, and you can see that uh, in the protests that we have in our own countries now. I don't know. You've joined joined the protests, but. There's a lot of people, especially nationalists, that are upset about the protests because these are racial foreigners that are protesting in our countries. And uh, we would like them to go home to their own country. And uh, They want to too. Yeah. They, 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 and that's what you were saying. Like they a lot of them, want to go home too. A, a lot they of them, don't want to be among yes. us. But we are the ones who have bombed their bloody countries. Yes. So, uh, you know, they're not here because they want to be here. They're here because they have no option. Their homes have been ruined. They have no homes to go back to. Yes. But and you this, can hear them is... say on the programs that we've seen on Al Jazeera where the the Palestinians are saying, we want to be in our own land. We will even return to our bombed out house so that we can have the dignity of being in our own lands. And uh, my experience of, uh, of Arabs that I have met and have met many in, in, in London, they want to go back to their own countries, but they can't because our leaders have bombed the hell out of those countries. This is different to the Chadian people. I mean, uh, we have it from Gaddafi. He said to the UN um, uh, and the EU, if you don't help me stop the people from Chad marauding into, Palace, uh, into Libya on their way to Italy, Europe will turn black. Yes. And he said that we whites will go like sugar in coffee. Yeah. Exactly. We will disappear. Like the Palestinians like are to disappear, and and so uh, yes, yeah, I, many I of these these migrants that 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 were doing a great job with the PA and so on to try and stop them from uh, entering our country, they're pirating our country. Most of them are economic migrants. You know, we spoke at that PA conference together, mm. and my topic was the way out of the migration disaster. Mm. There is a way out of the migration disaster. If people like the zeitgeist are doing good to other countries, never mind looking after their own country, but doing good to other countries, the better thing would be to follow the Sachs plan, the Jonathan Sachs plan, which was 
updated by our own Dr. Gunter Kermel. And that was the speech that I gave yes. at the PA conference. I'm going to link that speech after the show where, where so he catch explains to us it's give and take. We give our expertise to the third world and they take back their migrants. Uh, and that would be uh, the uh, money better spent than wasting it on uh, the criminal state of Israel and uh, the criminal state of, of Zelensky's at the moment. Uh, unfortunately, billions are going to these operations, which would be better off spent uh, helping these people go back to their own countries where they prefer to be. You can be sure that people prefer uh, to be proud of their own race and their own nation. You can see that here in London, they're all, all these girls are dressed up, the African girls are with their uh, hair done in their special ways and their costume and so on. I say to them, it's nice to see how proud you are of your race and your culture, but why are you not proud enough to go back to your own homeland, mm. to your own roots? Yeah. And they, of course, have listened to the swindle speak of the Jews who say, ah, oh, but we, we belong in Britain, we were here and here in, and all this... You know, because now yeah. we're, as you are in your own countries, being depicted as, as actually Negroes. Uh, yeah. You know, you weren't the really white at is all. The Negro, the Vikings were Negroes. This is, <laughs> this is old news now. And so they are, you know, so the pride, we need to inculcate the right pride. The beauty of our planet is that we have all our nations, our races. And, and the other aspect of that speech I made when we, when we were together there at the PA conference a couple of years ago, was talking about the the neuronin uh, concept of that Dr. Kermal had in mind as well that proves that it's natural for us to have nations, mm -hmm. um, and and I uh, that struck a chord with me because when I was studying the psychology of religion, as as I say, um, at London University, um, they told told me about the uh, uh, four inseparable, four, um, um, what they call, um, uh, what do they call those? The Scottish um, object relations theorists. These object relations theorists opposed Freud. They said uh, that when a mother looks at a baby and the baby looks back to the mother, she smiles and the mm. baby learns to to uh, like itself, to approve of itself because of the approval that the mother gives. And this is an instinct interaction. Mm -hmm. And that and that the concept is a neuron, it's called a neuronin uh, um, uh, syndrome. And uh, Dr. Kermel developed that idea by saying that it extends from the child's mother and this approval of the of the look of the mother, to smile at the baby, the baby acknowledges this, to the wider family that also acknowledges and includes the baby in the family. And this extends to the nation, that we have a nation feeling. The horizon is our nation. And so that na nationalism is nature's way of causing us to look after our own people. Mm. Uh, and that, to me, makes enormous sense. Uh, yeah. And so we need nations. We should not be allowing them to say it's nationalism that causes all the wars. 
No. It's not nationalism that causes the wars at all. But the thing is, it might it's, be the nations that um, causes the war, but war is natural. We're never going to be without war. We're never going to live in perpetual peace. But the important thing is that we survive. And, uh, you know, right now, our countries are being invaded. And yes, their countries have been bombed, uh, not by Sweden in particular, but by NATO and others. And... Uh, well, Finland is just now, yeah. we're being told, is desperate to join NATO, the fools. Yeah, and then Sweden uh, as well. You know, Sweden will as well. It's just Hungary now that's uh, holding them back. So we'll see what happens with yeah. that. But what, what I was going to say about the Palestinians, though, like a personal reflection when it comes to Palestinians, because there is this false dialectic uh, when it comes to this question, where nationalists, they're just... Uh, taking the easy route out by just hating all the brown people. It's really easy to just say, I hate Jews and brown people, just glass the Middle East. Then people don't really have to think about this issue. But the world is not that simple. It is very complex. And Arabs and Arabic kind of people uh, are different. Like the people from Iran are not Arabic. They're Persian and they're you know, the Asian Aryans mixed with a lot of Arab blood for sure. But there's a lot of different people down there. And I feel like the Palestinians, they are not like uh, the majority problematic people. I'm not saying that they belong in Sweden, but being in Sweden, they're not the ones doing most of the raping and murdering in this country. And the same goes for the Iranians. Like I've met a lot of Iranians uh, living here and, you know, being in other places, and they've been really good, good people, the ones that I've met. Well, but well I would say the Palestinians are so significant uh, that they fight at the front line for international justice and historical truth. And without that, we are going to be misaddled by Judaism and that the control of American Zionism and so on, which we are seeing, uh, that if we don't understand the significance of Palestine, it's not just over there and about other people. It They really are fighting at the front line for all of us. Yeah. Because when they disappear, which is what Netanyahu, who is likely to succeed in doing, because that's what he's about, yeah. The myth-addledom that has taken over the only useful thing about Christianity and, and Islam is they both gave the warnings about what they called the deceivers, the brood of vipers, the, the um, synagogue of Satan. When I was in Iran, I learned about Khomeini. He said, our victory over the over." Uh, uh, over the American Zionists was achieved by two things. One, unity, no Shia Sunni divide, and two, never trust a Jew. Those were the two criteria for his success. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, so if we don't understand the significance of Palestine, it's the biggest, it is the biggest advertising logo on the planet, Jerusalem. It's misaddled everybody. And and now it's the world headquarters for world Zionism. It's exactly what Hitler foresaw. 
It mm, is a yes. universe for budding crooks he, and, a, and a, 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 a bolt hole from international condemnation. He, if we don't understand the significance of this, we simply don't understand our own predicament. No. And just to say we're not interested in, in other people and there are we only interested in ourselves. <laughs> this moment is so significant for, for the possibility of our own freedom Palestinian freedom will mean our worldwide freedom away from this Judaic misaddledom that is completely taken over. Um, uh, you know, I, I quote from Disraeli, from his novel, couldn't be more apt, 1850, 1850, 1845, he said, all the great events have been distorted, most of the more important causes concealed, some of the principal characters never appear, and all who figure are so misunderstood and misrepresented that the result is a complete mystification. Now, that has ended now. That's over. We are now seeing before our eyes the, exactly what Judaism is made mm. manifest it is anti-Gentile. The whole definition is anti-Gentile. It is absolutely vital that we pay attention to Palestine because our future depends as a race on Palestine's future as a race because otherwise uh, we will be able to not talk about anything. We will have a, a law that says, all this that we have been discussing is completely impossible. We yeah. will be back to the 1984 idea of being in upstairs rooms, hoping that there will be no camera on us to state the bleeding obvious. Yeah. And this depends entirely upon the victory of the Palestinians over the, those Zionists. Yeah. It really does. That's how I see it. Yeah. And I speak as a, a propaganda tool. I've been I've been saying that a few times now, but for the people that are saying that it doesn't matter who wins this conflict, they just wish them both to die or disappear or whatever. I've been saying that, like, do you think that we're going to get less refugees if Israel manages to wipe out the Palestinians or le or more refugees? Like, there's a difference between the Palestinians winning this and Israel winning this. Like, Israel disappearing from the face of the planet that's going to take away a lot of the international crime. <laughs> like it, it has been a Jewish powerhouse ever since it's been created. It's a safe house for international Jewish uh, criminals that get convicted in pedophiles. our own country. Yeah, pedophiles, a lot of human trafficking and a lot of prostitution and drugs and weapons and all kinds of shit. Sorry for the ass coming out of this mm. country that wouldn't exist. Like if they were too busy fighting a war or being annihilated, they wouldn't be able to do all these things that they currently are doing. And it would be fantastic to live in a world without the Jewish powerhouse that's running world Jewry. And that's what mm. people can't really see when it comes to Jewish power. They're always looking for, I don't know, a smoking gun that's just super convincing like someone was saying in one of our chats the other day they didn't understand how jewish power had anything to do with swedish politics because we don't have a swede we don't have a jewish uh, prime minister in sweden and we don't have we don't have jewish ministers at all in sweden so therefore there's no jewish uh, power running sweden 
Uh, and it's the and same the, with any any other white country. They they could claim that, but the influence that Israel has, like when Israel gets attacked now in October, uh, the state, the Swedish state, issues an extra ten million kroner to Jewish synagogues for safety, because they were attacked over in Israel. You know, <laughs> now the Jews are just unsafe all over the planet. So all the government has to cough up more money for Jews as if Jews are poor. I haven't even heard of a Jewish poor person in the last hundred years. They don't exist. So they have 10 million kroner for sure for their own fucking synagogue. Sorry for the F. It's coming out now in the well, late yeah. hours. USA is run at the moment by ostensibly by Biden, who isn't Jewish. So yeah. Um, yeah, your, exactly. your friends who don't realize that there are proxies all over the place. And not only that, worse, some of our nationalists actually think that Israel is a racial role model. Yeah, role us. model. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we should follow their example. Don't understand that that's not... The, the Jews don't see themselves as a nation because that would be joining the hoi polloi. Mm. They are not a nation. They are the chosen people. Mm. They don't have to be a nation. Theirs is not a nation state. It's a Jewish state. It's a state that is meant to be su racially superior to all of the Gentiles, which are uh, subhuman mm. because they have... They have raised the concept of psychopaths uh, as the higher uh, human, whereas, of course, uh, they, clearly they are subhuman because they have no humane empathy. Uh, so uh, we, we need to, to, to uh, try to get across to our people the significance yeah. of Palestine and, and Judaism and to understand Jewish. what Judaism the Jewish question in particular, which is, you know, on the agenda now. This is a perfect opportunity to so-called red pill your friends and family on Jewish behavior because you see all the lies, the, the like you mentioned, the atrocity propaganda that they have been pulling out now is the same propaganda that they had in World War One and in World War Two. The exact, exact same lies. They have gas, they have ovens, they have beheaded babies, cut and, cutting up uh, pregnant women's stomachs. This is what Jews were doing in the Bolshevik Revolution and in Russia and in, in Ukraine, all that kind of stuff. They're just projecting their own sick minds into the media that they own and control. So it's a perfect mm -hmm. opportunity to red pill your people about Jewish behavior right now. And there won't be any mass uh, repatriations of racial strangers from our countries before we have settled the Jewish question. It is literally paramount in this issue because whoever... And there's also one thing that I think the yeah. Jewish worst nightmare is that the Arabs or the Muslim world will, you know, realize that we are not the enemy and vice versa. Mm, so if yeah. we unite and realize enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, you and have a lot of non-white countries now uh, waking up to this issue. And, yeah. you know, if we can agree on one thing, you know, put our forces in, in one place, uh, we can make an impact. Uh, yeah. Because, I don't know, a lot of these brown countries don't have that much influence, but together they can definitely have an impact. Yeah. So, well, they are, they are showing their impact by withdrawing uh, a great deal of their... their um, 
uh, economics and stuff from them. So if they Mm. band together, but you know, we uh, don't have to uh, be allowed to, we don't have to allow people to superimpose upon our conversation anti-Semitism because I have a campaign website, as you know, to promote the first Jewish homeland option. We don't kill all of our predators. We don't kill all the sharks, the snakes, et cetera, et cetera, that we know. And they are predators because they're anti-Gentile. But we don't allow them in uh, to to our our governments. We don't allow them to swim in our waters. They look sometimes like dolphins, but they are not dolphins, they're sharks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the two religions, the other Abrahamic religions, need to try to remember uh, the warnings that were useful in both of those. Uh, um, and, of course, now we are all under Jewish Bolshevism. I'm not sure that Russia, of Putin's Russia, is under 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 Jewish Bolshevism, but we are. Yeah, it, it, it's just sure. to me that... Putin's Russia can't be under Jewish Bolshevism like Stalin was because they want to, to, to regime change. So he has Russia, uh, Putin's Russia has reinstituted Christianity over there. I know that they go over to Israel and all that sort of thing. Mm. Nevertheless, I know from family experience that the Russians have always been very anti-Judaic. Highly anti. They never allowed Jews into the courts in Russia up until the time of, of the last Tsar. That's a fact. Mm. They simply never did. They may have Jewish, may have had Jewish uh, moneylenders there, but they never had Jews. Jews were never allowed in the courts, which is the reason why Heim Weizmann, who was a Jew, Russian Jew, was very, very prominent in the Bolshevik, in the Balfour Declaration. Mm. He was the author of. Because he he knew the 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 power that the the Russians, Russian Orthodox Church had always uh, were very very against um, um, uh, the Jews and uh, and I know that from my own uh, family background, so uh, I think that Putin is perhaps not uh, um, his his Russia. I don't think is neo-Bolshevism, but certainly we are all under Jewish Bolshevism, and Palestine is the is the border. It's the it's the front line. Mm. The front line. If that collapses, there will be uh, no yeah, hold in the it, You you were saying that uh, when you were marching, you were marching for a ceasefire, but. A ceasefire, doesn't that mean they just go back to normal and then they take a break and they bomb I, them again? Or? I, I wasn't marching for a ceasefire. Okay, I was marching weren't. in the ceasefire rally. Okay. And what I was doing is holding up my poster at the turning point where they turn, uh, where this huge number of turn at Victoria, where they would see my they would be confronted with my placard. Yeah. I wanted to educate those marchers for them to know what they don't know, a about the British being uh, the, the the British um, being uh, murdered by Jewish terrorists, yeah. and that they and that these this man in my uh, in my film uh, says that they those British soldiers were never uh, who had the eyewitness to the founding of the the criminal state were never invited to the cenotaph. So it was very important on the Armistice Day to point to the 
the uh, the, the relationship between um, the, their march and the cenotaph and the ceasefire, which is what an armistice is, and also on the front, the back of my placard, talking about um, Herzl, the 1897 to disappear the uh, uh, the indigenous. Uh, that is the the, um, the the timeline that they should be talking about, not mm. October seventh or so. But that means um, that you're for them fighting back, or what, what I do you am, see well, like uh, in this near one future? One one can it's it's illegal in England and probably in, the, in Scandinavia too to say what one would would say. I just say <laughs> that the freedom fighters are entitled to fight back against mm. their intruder. If yeah. you are in, uh, if, if a burglar comes into your house, it's, it, it's, it's not his right to kick you out no. and stay in your house. And that is precisely the situation for the Palestinians. Those burglars have come into their house on a pretext of of not colonization for these silly people talking about colonization. This is not a colony. They are, it's a headquarters for world Zionism. And they have come into that country. They have uh, robbed the people and, and they're throwing them out. They're dispossessing. It's the same as a burglar. You honor the burglar and you throw the, the owner of the property out. This is the mentality. Uh, it, it's, it's very simple. This, this situation is not complicated at all. It's really very, very simple. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just the same as I'm telling you, if someone burgles your house, they have no right to take over your property any more than, than, than uh, Palestine has a, uh, is to be disappeared by these uh, pirates or our countries to be to to be taken over and we are to disappear by this artificial mass migration of these third world people coming to our countries and most of them are economic migrants yeah uh, sure and uh, this is what pa is doing a hell of a good job and your your people at nordic frontier are doing a very good job of trying to point out to the public yeah. that these people are invading us Sure. Um, and it's being orchestrated. It's not by chance. It's being orchestrated, as Colonel Gaddafi pointed out, the great Colonel Gaddafi. It's the Jews! Yeah, as they say. <laughs> I have uh, some super chats coming in here. We have Duke of Folk. He says, thank you, Michel Renouf, for your intellect and articulate manner of disseminating this info. Great guest. Hail victory from the U.S. Thank you very much. We have Sam's Junk, he says, saying all nations want to live among their own is polyonaism or poly, polyanaism. Po, no, polyana-ish, sorry. People come to the US from the Congo and from Central America where there are no wars. Yeah, I'm not sure what polyana-ish is. But yeah, people living among their own is... Uh, what we want to achieve that's what we're about that they come to the u.s i don't think congolese people founded the u.s i don't think congolese people made america what it is today so i don't think congolese people uh, belong in america they belong in congo and, and, and yeah. if we could help the congolese people defeat those who are 
causing them a problem, they would want to stay in their own country because it's just natural well, that we I, want to I'm stay. not so sure. It, you know, some countries are shitholes. And sorry, again with the S. I'm trying to be nicer. They are bad countries because they're just not good people. I mean, look at... Uh, also, some... I question how a Congo person can find this way to America. Yeah, Someone exactly. Is help you know, me, helping yeah. them get over there in masses, you know. It is international NGOs to make sure that these brown people come to our countries in the first place. So that's true as well. But I mean, you have a country like Somalia or just look at South America, South Africa. You know, when the blacks take over South Africa 30 years later, they don't even have electricity anymore. I mean, these people can't run first world nations. They're not they're not meant to be living in civilizations like we have. And I don't really care about helping them. Like, they can well, live you by know, themselves. Are, in all nations, there are the psychopaths, the competent, and the incompetent and the stupid. You know, all nations have the best and the worst. We cannot just judge one group of people that we happen to d- dislike uh, in, in their behavior with all. I mean, I do say that, um, uh, you know, I uh, have at my house in Germany... A, a picture of the I can't pronounce the name right correctly, but the 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 women who picked up the bricks uh, after World War II. They uh, um, I just can't think of the name at the minute. They picked up the bricks and helped themselves, as opposed to what happened in New Orleans when they had the flood. The mm. the blacks just put their hands up and say, "Help That's... us, help us," whereas the Germans in their way, uh, just picked up the bricks and helped themselves. Now, I do honor the Germans for doing that, and I do criticize the New Orleans people for doing this helpless, helpless stuff. But they can also learn. They can learn. Not all are going to learn, but some do. We do have some people here. I mean, I met a Nigerian um, economist uh, at when the the there's a group called a very big group called the Bruges group who were were very anti the EU, and before we got out of the EU, they had a very big very big conference screened by the uh, Sky News etc cetera, etc, cetera. and afterwards I got up in the first question and I said, you know the EU is not all about business. It's about removing our borders and our history from our European uh, uh, countries, uh, and uh, and of course, uh, and I held up the 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 um, uh, the EU maps, which show that all the, the the nations are going to be wiped off the map, and of course, uh, I was pretty much asked to leave. Um, but afterwards, a Ni- black Nigerian came up to me, and he said in front of other people. I can talk about my black race. I don't see why she can't talk about her white race and defend it. You see? Yeah. Um, the only problem for that, and clearly he was an educated person, capable. There's no question he was capable. He's not one of these people who were just sitting there in New Orleans, help me, help me, or the people in, you know, uh, who can't uh, get electricity, as you were describing. But unfortunately, the blowback of that was that after I had had a conversation with him and I thought, oh, this is very uh, um, um, helpful. And uh, he said he was grateful to the white race. And I said, why? He said, because they had brought Nigeria Christianity 
But unfortunately for him, it was Zionist uh, Christianity, Christian Zionist Christianity. So, you know, you you have one step forward with these people yeah, and another two steps back. <laughs> back. But again, yeah. it all comes back to Palestine. It comes back to the myth addledom. Well, it comes back to Jews. Jewish state. Yeah. Yes, it all comes back to the control of the headquarters of world Zionism mm. and the biggest advertising logo on the planet which they, that which they own, which is Jerusalem. If they don't own Jerusalem, if they're anywhere else on the planet, believe me, they will not have the misaddling capacity that, that owning the biggest advertising logo on the planet gives them such potency in the minds of our poor, poor silly people who are very, very susceptible to their the Jewish skill, which is only and absolutely advertising. Yeah. Swindle speak is is the be on and end all of their ability. Uh, we we should not be so intimidated uh, by by them. Uh, yeah, really. Sure. I was going to mention here uh, before we wrap up in a little bit uh, a campaign that uh, we the Nordic Resistance Movement have been doing the past uh, three weeks, I think we've been doing this. Um, we printed these stickers uh, that I have here. These are QR codes with a crossed over David star that uh, are supposed to be put on Jewish uh, products or products of companies that are currently supporting the war in, uh, in the Gaza Strip. And there's been like McDonald's and Burger King and other brands like Coca-Cola that's been openly supporting Israel in this, uh, giving soldiers, IDF soldiers, free meals and stuff like that, uh, which is disgusting. I'm not sure that they're giving the Gazans free meal. I'm not sure. They're, they're not definitely not giving Hamas a free meal. Uh, so we have been uh, going... Uh, Activists have been going out and putting these stickers up all over in stores and stuff like that. And it's created quite a, a media storm. They, uh, they've they been uh, reporting on these stickers like it's another Holocaust, of course. Which is, like, if you have any other message than this, this is a very controversial message. Any other message than this is just a prank, you know. But when you do this, when you put this sticker on a product because you're standing up for, like you're standing up against genocide, basically, uh, then you're a terrorist. <laughs> you're literally the worst person in the world for doing this. So I think the reaction has been absolutely fantastic and it's been covered in, in uh, a lot of the mainstream media. And that's good. And a lot of uh, activists are hyped and uh, we're going to keep doing that uh, for sure. So the, the Boycott Israel campaign is definitely alive and well. I was going to run the last Super Chats here as well. See if I find them. We had Michael57DE. He says, Southern California no longer has reliable electric service thanks to becoming a third world state. Hail the gods. Yeah, that's right. And the Scaredy Cat back again. She says, Hi, Lady Michelle term Abrahamic religions shouldn't be used anymore, even if it's historically true. It's become yet another Jewism, a swindle to finally steal last inch of Palestine from Muslim and Christians via Abraham Accords. 
Each community has its leaders. Muhammad forbade crop burning in war. All right. Uh, so she's saying that the, there's unity between the Christians and Muslims uh, in the area, in Palestine, I guess. And it's not the same as uh, the Judaism, then, I think is her point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you have any response to that? Or any thoughts? Uh, well, I wasn't quite sure what she was getting at there at the very beginning of what she was saying. You just repeat the little bit of... Yeah, the, I think she's beginning. saying that the Abrahamic religion's term isn't really applicable anymore, even though it's historically true. But she's saying that there is a, a union between the Muslims and the Christians in the area, uh, and mm. Judaism is different. They want to kill them, basically. Well, I That's mean, the, I the, 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 whole, yeah, the whole idea of, of Christianity, uh, uh, I mean, well, I could only answer you by saying um, uh, an incident at Haythrop College where I was studying, the principal took us all to the Reform Synagogue in St. John's Wood, actually. Uh, and he announced to the Jewish congregation that the two covenants stand, i.e. the one with the Jews and the one with the uh, with all the children, no more Jew and Gentile. And I said to him afterwards, it seems to me that you're treacherous to your own country, your own religion. Surely there was no point in having the Old New Testament if, in fact, you were going to refer to the senior brothers as, uh, as still having their... Uh, it would be the same as a T-shirt that says, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. Um, and, of course, then they, uh, after a couple of years, they asked me to study elsewhere because they didn't like my pointing out the treachery that these... Jesuits had to their own re- religion. So I would say to the, the lady that that certainly Christianity and Islam came into being in order to advise us of the brood of vipers and the deceivers, which they both warn us about. But they are nevertheless uh, coming from, un- and that's the their, their limitation, they come from this Abrahamic root. Mm. Uh, I don't know what she yeah, wants they, to they refer do. to that. They do, for sure. Uh, yeah, all right. So we had another uh, super chat here from Gundubar. He says, play the jingle Die Reihenfest geschlossen. Is this uh, Die Fahne Hoch? Yeah, I googled it quickly. I think he means Die Fahne Hoch. So we'll do that just in case. <laughs> And if I'm wrong, I I apologize. It's eighteen dollars. Uh, should I interpret eighteen dollars as donating seventeen seventy six? And I will be live streaming uh, Alex Jones's video game. Hmm? Maybe no one has donated so far, so maybe there's no interest. And uh, then I guess I won't do it. But I think it would be pretty cool if I did that. But uh, if we're gonna wrap up the conversation, it's been a really nice time. Do you have any? Last thoughts or words uh, for our listeners uh, about what's going on or about what we were talking about with Palestine Israel? Well, I could, I, I would certainly recommend that they watch Al Jazeera because uh, you really do understand uh, the predicament and you really do get a feeling of how heroic 
these people are, how very determined they are to maintain their own race and their own culture and their own homeland, the Palestinians. And really, they are hugely admirable uh, and uh, they are a role model for us. So uh, I would recommend you you take an interest uh, and, and look at how these people fight at the front line for historical truth and international justice for all of us. Yes. Long live Palestine. For sure. All right. We're going to sign... Colonel Gaddafi. Yes, that too. So it's been very nice having you on again. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll be Thank you for inviting me. And yeah. thank you to Charlotte for for encouraging it. Yes. <laughs> she's a great uh, she's a great comrade to us all. She is indeed. And thank you for listening and watching. It is a visual podcast after all, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back. This was episode 277. So you don't uh, confuse so you're not confused with last week's show. We will be back next Sunday, and uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm sure it's going to be exciting, so tune in then. During the week, you can follow us on Telegram. We have Nordic Frontier Podcast and Nordic Frontier Chat. You also have always NordicResistanceMoment.org. And if you want to follow my Hey Buddy videos, you can find them at Andreas Johansson NF on Telegram and on YouTube and on TikTok, for sure. i got a few new videos out right now. All right, with that, I say don't be an English cigarette and hail victory. Hail victory. Listen to Resolution Radio. 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 ResolutionRDO.com. Family, this is James Edwards, your host of the Political Cesspool. 
Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-888-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net.